everybody. Welcome back to another college football edition of the Two Buck Sports Podcast. I am your co-host, Rusty Buckets, checking in from what has been an amazingly beautiful weather week here in sunny South Carolina. I'm welcoming my colleague, co-host, friend, Drew Gann. Welcome to the podcast, sir. What's up, Buckets? Have you had a good week so far? You know, all things considered, I have. You know, it, 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 it had a crummy end to last week, which we'll get into, I'm sure, at nauseum tonight. But uh, the week has been good. It's been a good week. Hey, I did. I uh, got my first deer of the season this past weekend, so that's a oh, yeah? highlight. A nice little South Carolina six point, and um, it's been a What's good that? week. Is a South Carolina six like a Mississippi ten or no? Maybe more like a Mississippi <laughs> button buck, man. Those uh, the deer here pale in comparison to them horses back home. But uh, the guys at the processor said it was good size. He was good size for me, and so I'll pick that meat up this weekend. And nothing like God's grocery store picking up some fresh meat, man. Yeah, I mean, I'd be lying to you. I'm probably the only fella in North Mississippi that does not look forward to hunting to deer season every year. <laughs> Uh, I've always said that's kind of just one of those things that I feel like is passed down from father to son, and my dad was not a hunter. He didn't get it from his dad. I don't really know where the buck stopped. <laughs> no pun intended. Um, don't know where the buck stopped when it came to deer hunting, but it's never something I picked up on. Uh, out of peer pressure and just uh, fear of missing out, I guess, when I was a kid, and uh, I mean, I guess middle school to high school, I went a few times with some folks. Uh, just because everybody else was doing it, maybe I'm missing out. Mm. Uh, it was fine, and nothing more than that. Mm. Uh, the most fun I had deer hunting, uh, I was sitting in a heated shooting house with roll-up windows. Oh, yeah. And so I could just hang out and talk and, <laughs> you know, drink coffee. And then if a deer came out in the right-of-way, then we shot at it. And the deer did come out in the right-of-way, and I didn't pull the trigger because i forgot to take my safety off <laughs> uh <laughs> and so i've hit more deer with my car than i've hit with a bullet uh, it's a two to one ratio on that one uh so yeah it's just not something i've really i really ever got into what my dad passed down to me was heartache uh mm-hmm. in the form of old miss rebels mm-hmm. and watching sports that's how we spend our time together growing yeah. up and even as adult as i'm an adult now that's how my dad and I spend time together in bond, and uh, honestly, commiserate if you will. It's it's worse for the heart, but it's better for the wallet. You know. Yeah, that's probably fair. That's probably fair. You know, hundred bucks to get this deer processed, but I'll get a decent amount of meat out of it, which is always a good thing. Um, so I'm not too upset about that. But yeah, I mean, I grew up deer hunting with my dad. I started when I was eight or nine, sitting in a stand with my dad, and I just thought it was the coolest thing. And he passed it along to my brother, and Clark's not as into it as I am. Uh, dad said we were little. Like, we'd go hunting, and he'd say, uh, Rusty, are you? like, his big thing was he wasn't going to let, let us get bored and hate it. So if we were bored or restless, we'd leave. Mm-hmm. And he'd say, he'd say he'd tell my brother, Clark, are you ready to go? He'd say, yeah, I'm ready to go. So he'd take him back and go hunt somewhere else. And Dad said, when I was little, he'd say, Rusty, are you ready to leave yet? And I'd say, well, Dad, we hadn't seen a deer. Why would I be ready to go? And he said, right. for like, from a young age, you just took to How it. How about so. because it's cold? And it's early in the morning, and I'm hungry, and I can't make any noise. How's that? <laughs> How's that, rock man? <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, but, yeah, so it's nice just to get out and uh, did a little camping, too, a little tent camping, and uh, actually slept reasonably well until the 
rooster at the neighboring farm started cutting up about five o'clock which was uh i guess my cue to get up he was ready for me to wake up so i did made some coffee and then didn't see anything saturday morning but it was a good weekend you know rusty i didn't tell you this i went camping this weekend too i went two different forms of camping yeah so we tent camped friday night uh, in the backyard of my house, mm-hmm. <laughs> so we got an air mattress. I mean, it was beautiful outside. Sure. It was, uh, you know, it was about low 80s during the day, and uh, when the sun went down, it hit mid 70s and low 70s through the night, and uh, it was just I, I slept so good outside. I've mm-hmm. never slept in a tent that well before. Nice. But we didn't have a fan going or anything. There was a uh, the roof was vented. Oh yeah, and so it has like a mesh roof on it, so you could see out. Mm-hmm. And if it's not raining, you just leave it open, mm-hmm. you know. And so it wasn't raining, no chance rain. So we just left it open and didn't cover it. Man, it was great. I slept like a baby. Yeah, I was gonna do that, but here on Friday night it got down to fifty-five, and the dew point was so much that like we had a heavy dew that next morning. So I'm grateful that I put my rain fly over my tent, over my little mesh windows, because right. it had condensated, like all that dew had gotten right. around the outside. And I just know I would have woke up seven Shook kinds it. of soaked, uh-huh. shivering. Right. <laughs> right. So, yeah. That was, so we both went camping this weekend. We did. We what, didn't even what know about it. that? <laughs> so, uh, what's your best thing you did this week? What's your best of the week? You know, I was, I've been thinking about that. There's a lot of a lot of things that I that have happened that have been positive. Um, I guess my best of the week is I'm grateful for friends. You know, I'm grateful for this podcast uh, with you. I'm grateful for friends that I can hang out with, and I'm grateful for friends that have tickets to football games. Because Absolutely. You don't want to be the. It's like having a lake house. You don't want to be the friend with the lake house or the boat, but you want to be friends with somebody who has a lake house right. or boat, right? So uh, two weeks ago, I got to go to the Coastal Carolina football game and got to go watch them. Uh, win against Jacksonville State. I got invited out this past weekend, but again, I'd already made plans to go hunting. And then for the third week in a row, I've been offered tickets. I'm going tomorrow night to watch the South Carolina Gamecocks play uh, Georgia State. So it should be a pretty good little game. Georgia State's not bad. Um, uh, and so it'll be yeah, good. and I mean, South Carolina almost beat Georgia. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so, for, I mean, sort of. Sort of. For a half, yeah. anyway. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that's awesome. Uh I've always said, you know, my dad growing up had a boat and we had a camper several times and he's got a camper now. And it's a motto that I live by. It's better to have a friend with a boat than to have a boat. Oh, yeah. Uh, that goes for camper, lake house, whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. It's better to have a friend with a boat than to own a boat yourself. Yeah. All day, every day. And so same with football tickets. These are actually in the f- player's family. So a friend of mine. Uh, that I work with. Her name's Kayla, Kayla Carr. Her brother plays at CCU. And so, going to get two tickets, free tickets to go to the game and sit in the family section, so that should be pretty fun. You know, back when our favorite highway patrolman, Cousin Kirk, was patrolling in Troop E when he was straight out of the academy, he was, uh, that is, covers the city of Oxford and Lafayette County. And so, he would work the games, every single home game for Ole Miss. And for every single home game, he got two tickets. Oh, nice. And so, a few times, we got to do the highway patrol tickets. Pretty nice. Cool. Yeah, that is so. that is cool. And then, I guess one other quick one, quick shout-out, no free shout-out. I know you like Shiner, man. The Shiner seasonal, oh, the yeah. Oktoberfest. Nah, Shiner. I don't do pumpkin. Mm. It's not pumpkin. It's just the Oktoberfest. It's not the pumpkin beer. Yeah, but a lot of, like, the same items, Oktoberfest is mm-hmm. pumpkin-y. Mm-hmm. Right? This so, I assume. No, it's a Marsden-style big fan so shout out no free shout out to shiner okay uh my best of my bucks best of the week 
is today, September 20th, 2023, is my mother's birthday. Oh, there it is. So, uh, my mom, I called her and wished her happy birthday just a few hours ago. Uh, my mom is the best person on the face of the earth, and that includes you, Rusty. I mean, <laughs> you're not wrong, I think man. you're, I think you're fine. But compared to my mama, you are just the dirt that is on the bottom of my boot. <laughs> no argument here. Miss <laughs> Vicky is so, a saint. Uh, she is a great woman. I asked her if we could go out for her birthday, you know, last night or tonight, but she was like, "No, can't go out tonight." Uh, I'm leading a Bible study for unwed mothers, and I was like, "You're such of a good you woman." Are. <laughs> yeah, you are. You are such a good person. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, she's the glue that's held my family together for as long as we've been a family. Mm-hmm. She is a a saint of a woman. I love her dearly, uh, and so happy birthday, mom. I'm sure you won't listen to this, but I am going to send it to you so that you can hear it. And maybe she'll at least listen to the first, you know, seven minutes of the podcast. Yeah, tell her to get about seven, eight minutes in. Happy yeah. birthday, Miss Vicky. We appreciate you. I'm grateful for you, even if your son's a clown. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I got that from Dad. <laughs> she did the best she could with what she had to work with. Yeah. <laughs> Half yeah. them jeans weren't great. <laughs> right, right. So, uh, what about your beef? I think we all know. Listen, we'll get into it. Almost my best. I know. We'll get into (laughs) it, but um, my beef is, and I'll get into this in depth in a little while. Yeah, you could just give everybody a teaser. Is misrepresentation? Okay, what is this colonial America? (laughs) Yeah, no taxation without (laughs) representation. No, I don't. You could not have been more cryptic about this at all. Misrepresentation when you're when you're told that a product is going to be one thing. And then it's completely different. You know, it's like you, you open the box expecting this really only nice. one of the two people in this podcast told you what was coming. So we'll chat. Yeah. Okay. I, I would uh, not give you the satisfaction on Saturday of returning that text. And I'll tell you why here in a little bit, but <laughs> I can't stand when you think you're getting something great and it's the wish.com version that you get. And that's yes. where we're at anyway. Yes. Uh, my beef is with rusty. And if you listen to last week's episode, you realize that you forgot the intro music. <laughs> <laughs> that is 100% fair, man. 100% fair. Uh, yeah, you know, we hold ourselves to such a high standard for the for audio quality, substance, you know, banter. We, we hold ourselves to wanting to be the best podcast that you guys listen to. Uh, that include two kids from North Mississippi that, talk, that cheer for... Ole Miss, Mississippi State, the Grizzlies, you know, of for that demographic of people, we mm-hmm. expect to be the best. And sure. Rusty really dropped the ball last week. Yeah, man, I just a lot on my mind, a lot going on. I was worried about LSU. I was like, did I really just take Mississippi State outright to beat LSU? Just a lot going on, and I forgot. And the worst part was, as we talked about all fair, when I queued up my computer and I pulled up GarageBand so I could be ready to edit this episode afterwards, there sat the intro music already faded and everything. Like it was ready to go, man, and just like. We got All finished. All you had to do was plug and play. I just I ripped the audio, which I guess because I wasn't in GarageBand because we had you know Cousin Kirk pop in and, and check in with us last week that I didn't think about it. But uh, regardless, I, I, I apologize to our listeners that have commented that that's the best part of our show is the intro music. Yeah, I feel like you need a notes app apology and uh-huh. put it on the, our stories on Instagram. <laughs> I'll do it. For those of you who who think the best part of our show is the intro music, last week was my bad. 
Yeah, and I'm telling you, if you think the our intro music is great, but if that's the best part of the show, in your opinion, you need to just listen to something else. <laughs> that's it, 100%. 100%. Well, I got a couple stats of the week before we dive into our um, Instagram picks from last week. And so I've got a few of them, so bear with me for a few minutes. In baseball, you know, we love a good baseball stat in here. And this is a right. very pro Tony Gwynn podcast. We talked about that. Yeah, we've talked about Tony Gwynn a lot. In... 2023, as of Tuesday, Wednesday, Monday, Kyle Schwarber had 198 strikeouts. Uh, Tony Gwynn had 188 in the 1990s. <laughs> hey, Kyle Schwarber also has as many home runs as he has singles. <laughs> Have you seen that stat? Yeah. He's got like 43 home runs and 43 singles. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know much about the video game Minecraft. But he has a Minecraft head. Like, it is a square block. Yeah, you could have just said square. Yeah. Yeah. Per- perfectly symmetrical it's square, a, equilateral That's it. Square. It's a six by six square all the way around. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he, when he buys a cap, it's a square cap. It ain't around like the rest of us. Right. Um, the He's longest... Like a Mario character. That's it. <laughs> that's our Lego. Um, the longest current... Football, college football winning streaks. You ready for this list? There are some uh, powerhouses wh- on this list. Well, I know that Georgia's got the longest. At 19 wins. 20 wins now. 20 wins now. Uh, Okay. What's the next longest? 11. Has There's two be. teams with 11. Okay. Um, Had to be an undefeated team today, obviously. Um. Missouri. Nope. Oh, okay. I don't. I don't have any idea. Actually, so it's two teams with twelve. So this is as of Friday. So Georgia's got twenty. The two teams with twelve are Fresno State. Wow. And Washington. Okay. In fourth Michael with Phoenix. Yeah, man, that kid can play. Yeah. Um, my vote, and we'll get to this here in a little bit for the worst uniforms of the weekend. Is currently sitting with nine straight wins, and that's the Maryland. Nope. <laughs> They're bad. They're bad, but I thought Florida yeah. State's. I did not care for the white helmet at all with oh, the red. Really? I didn't. Yeah, I, I, like now if you, if you, if you've got something good, don't. <clears throat> that's it, deviate. man. It's because your original helmet is so good that gold helmet just looks incredible. So like, it's my thing about Ole Miss. Like, don't do thirteen different uni- uniform combinations for thirty different games. Your best uniform combination is gray pants, red tops, powder helmet. You know, throw in, mix it up with the. The uh, powder tops, and you know the all the powder tops, powder helmets, white pants. That looks good. Do away but with the navy with helmet. That. Yeah, I'm good with do, doing away with the navy helmet. Um, but then uh, you know, play the hits. That's what the good teams do. There's not one team in college football that rotates uniform combinations that has ever been historically good. And I know that's not the way to look at it. But that's kind of the standard, you know, right now. You look at who's been good over the last decade. You've got Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State, Michigan, uh, Georgia, Texas. I mean, all those, they've got tried and true colors. Yeah. You know, they've very defined, very, I mean, polished look, you know. Yeah, and Mississippi State, uh, to your point, when they wear the Croom era uniforms with a white helmet, a maroon jersey, and either maroon or white pants – 
has not beat LSU in that. We wear it against LSU oh. every time, and we're like 0-11 wearing that uniform against LSU, and then against the field, we're still like 0-7. So, like, why are we wearing the maroon? Like, go all white or all maroon. Like, that's it. Don't go white on maroon. It just doesn't look oh, good. See, I disagree for Mississippi State purposes. The white <clears throat> helmet looks good It does on the maroon. I just – I don't – it, it reminds good, me too much good. of the – Ole Miss won a College World Series because they became convinced that they were winning games because they were wearing navy blue uniforms. That's it. I mean, that's just it. You were hot in navy blue, yeah. so it because it was because of navy blue. LSU so. gets really weird when they have to wear their purple jerseys. Like nothing good's when they wear their purple jerseys. Yeah. So like, just make them wear purple when they come in. We should have done that. Like we did the white out to, uh, a week too soon against Arizona. You right. do that against LSU. You white out the stadium. All whites make them wear purple. Squarely things happen. But I digress. And then the last three teams uh, are all tied at eight wins apiece. Penn State, and then two okay. traditional powerhouses, the Air Force Academy and the Marshall Thundering Herd. Yeah. <laughs> are traditional all, powerhouses. That's it, man. That's it. And then the last one from last Saturday at 2.40 a.m., Reddit College Football <laughs> tweeted out that Colorado State had almost as many penalty yards, 176, as Oklahoma State had total yards, 208. And I don't know which stat line is worse. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, Oklahoma State lost to uh, South who? Alabama. Yeah, thirty-three okay. to seven. <laughs> yeah, that's worse. <laughs> that's worse because despite the penalty yards for Colorado State, they were in it. Yeah, and they, I mean, it went two overtime. Yeah, you man, couldn't ask for a better showing from Colorado State. No, you're absolutely right. And um, so when we get to our college football pick uh, playoff picks at the end, I'm doing my number four team, kind of like how they used to do in the bottom ten. Uh, on ESPN.com, or like that fourth team is the one that really doesn't belong there, but it's because they had a bad showing. Well, I'm doing the opposite. And South Alabama got my honorable mention this week because they went to Stillwater and beat the brakes off of Mike Gundy and Oklahoma State. Shout out to the Jaguars. And that's a team, too, that's never bad. You know, before the season started, we were talking about bowl streaks. They were one of them that had been to bowl. Like 14 straight game, 14 something. A decade and a half. Mm -hmm. That that team never sinks and that team should never never loses at home to a non-conference team. That's just... Yeah. That's a wild game. Not only lost, but just got dominated in all facets of the game, including the scoreboard. 33-7. Shout out to Jaguars from South Alabama. But um, that's my stats for the week. Uh, We'll get into our picks from last week, Drew. Um, One of us was above 500. That was me. I it believe was. I had a really good week. You did. Last week. So, yeah, it wasn't bad. So, last week in our pickums, you know, we put them on Instagram. Our Instagram followers and I both went three and four last week. Um, and I went <laughs> four and three. <laughs> See, y'all are all nobodies. So, we both Bow got. to your king, right? Yeah. Now. We both, <laughs> uh, we both got. Kansas State and Missouri, wrong. Yeah, we, I was wrong about that. Yeah, we both were. Um, we both got UT Florida wrong. And I regretted that one immediately. Yeah. You know, Florida has not lost to Tennessee in Gainesville in 21 years. That's wild. I should have known. Yeah, we didn't We didn't do – if we were a good podcast, yeah. we'd do that homework. Right. Um, I got Colorado State right. You missed on Colorado. Uh, I took Colorado State. Mm-hmm. Well, you were yes, going I to. Did. No, you were going to, and I said, I'm going to take Colorado oh, State, and you said, I'll take Colorado. So, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we just, just split so it. we could be different. And then Dang we did it. the same thing in Vandy and UNLV. I took Vandy, you took UNLV, so you got that yeah. one right. Okay. Um, listeners went with me and Vanderbilt. We had BYU, Arkansas. I took Arkansas, you took BYU. Right. We both hit on South Carolina. We both hit on Ole Miss. And then one of us hit on LSU. That was me. <laughs> I, I voted with my heart. When I did my preseason picks, we'll get into this in a little I've bit. To- by the end of this season, I will get you to be honest and think with your head and think objectively. But you've yet to do it. No, well, we'll see. We'll get to that here in a you few minutes. You this – one half of this podcast is totally uncredible. <laughs> and sure. It, and the other half is me. Sure. <laughs> sure. If you say so. So, shout out to our listeners. Um, so, so far on the season, myself and Instagram are tied at 6-9. and nine. And my co-host here, Uncle Buck, is seven and eight on the season. So, uh, Drew, give me your thoughts on what was college football week three before we start diving into next week. Tell me about uh, what you watched and then about your Ole Miss Rebels. Well, I mean, I'll be honest with you. What I watched was not much because if there was a Sunday to do a – I mean, a Saturday to do a honeydew list, it was this Saturday. And it was brutal. I did – it was nice because it seemed like there was one game per – her time slot that I was I was interested enough in to watch and so as I was kind of starting my morning doing some household chores and whatnot uh, I took my first break at 11 o'clock when Mississippi State and LSU was on and I watched pretty much that whole game mm-hmm. um, and then uh, I did a lot of <coughs> just nothing didn't do a lot of watching after that I turned on the Colorado State Colorado game I uh, kept up with the uh, with the Alabama game. Obviously, I watched the Ole Miss game uh, at the campsite with my parents. Uh, we went to my parents were camping at Piney Grove campsite, and so we went out there and ate dinner with them. And we watched the game outside at Mom and Dad's campsite. And uh, so I watched Ole Miss, but you know that's uh, that's how I did. It wasn't a jam packed. It wasn't a Saturday in which I felt like I had to be in front of my TV. In fact. I was just as content as ever when we were driving just to turn the uh, Mississippi State game, at the end of the Mississippi State game and part of the Alabama game, just turned it on the radio on the way to and from doing errands and stuff and driving out to Piney Grove. Uh, it didn't really feel like I missed much because as long as I could listen to it, I wasn't I wasn't missing out on any other games, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd be glad when we're jam-packed like we are this week, and uh, we will preview that with by far the best week of college football so, so far. far this mm-hmm. season. Um, but, yeah, I started off with Mississippi State and LSU. Uh, I definitely have some thoughts. I'm definitely going to take a victory lap because I feel like I had a crystal ball when I started when we previewed these teams and you yelled at me. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, relentlessly. You know, I almost popped popcorn just so – when you got to talking about this game, I was just going to sit back and eat popcorn because uh, it was going to be so entertaining. But then I was like, that's probably bad for audio quality since most people just listen to the podcast mm-hmm. instead of the video. They wouldn't get the video satisfaction of watching me eat popcorn. They would just get uh, the annoyance of me eating popcorn. <laughs> just crunching in the mic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I mean. <clears throat> we can start we'll, there. Go ahead. Yeah, so. I told you before the season started that, you know, you can look at this in a lot of different ways, but if you don't appreciate the transition between a leech system 
and any system that's not Mike Leach and the personnel differences and just the stylistic changes in regards to the offensive scheme because Leach is so far and away different than most people that run the spread. But then you say that Mississippi State is bringing in a guy that likes to run the ball and more of a pro-style offense. To me, the questions were glaring. And I was I did not go as far as I probably could have because and it was because I didn't really expect it. I had a lot of respect for Will Rogers. But when you look at it now, it's and you think back to what I was thinking there and then you watch it this Saturday against LSU, it was just so glaringly obvious that the players that run are running this system should not be running the system. And I know it's Arnett's first year as a head coach. I know that he's got Kevin Barbe. It's Barbe, right? You've yeah. been saying Barbary, but it's Barbe, right? It's Barbe. Barbe, yeah. So, um, um, sorry, I had to. I'm going to have to get my dog out of the rain. He just, <laughs> just started coming a flood here. <laughs> my dog outside. Um, anyways, sorry. So you've got. You bring in Kevin Barbary, Kevin Barbie, that Barbay. from Barbay, from Appalachian State, who's going to run this pro style offense. Who likes to run the ball and likes to run it out of the pistol, and do all of his actions based on running the ball. And you put that in elite system when you've got undersized offensive linemen that spread out further, and you're compacting them. And you've got Will Rogers that's used to playing on nothing but timing and accuracy and you're asking him to read defenses and I mean the whole thing I felt like you we should have seen this coming I did not expect to see it look as bad I did not expect Will Rogers to look as bad as what I saw on Saturday and he was absolutely atrocious and I'm not even going to go as far as to say that this is Will Rogers' fault I feel like they they lobbied him hard this offseason in the end of in December and January to come back to school because he was a steadying force. He was a going to be a third-year returning starter at your quarterback position. He was a leader, and they recruited him to stay when he could have went a myriad of places that ran a similar offense. But he is a fish out of water. At one point, you're down by three scores, and they ran a play action and bootlegged him out to the left and had him throw across his body a 15-yard out. And it was like a high school player because he's that's just not the quarterback he is. Not to mention we rolled him out. Fine. In that play, we rolled him out at Harold Perkins. Yeah, and the defense looks fine. You put up 41 – they put up 41 points, but LSU's a good – Offense, I still believe they're the best team in the West. And they just looked absolutely pedestrian at best on offense. And when you look that bad on offense, I've seen this with Ole Miss teams. You've seen this. It's a tale as old as time. It don't matter how good the defense is, but if the offense refuses to gain yards and get any momentum at all, the defense will break and the defense will get frustrated and the defense will give up. And that's what happened because what you saw is you saw – Jaden Daniels for LSU run that offense and throw the ball around the field as if Mike Leach was his offensive coordinator. It was dink and dunk, crossing routes, out routes against man coverage, against zone coverage. It didn't matter. 
and then dink and dunk and death by a thousand paper cuts until he wore Mississippi State's defense down, and there every single time was a fade to the end zone. Every single time when it just felt like perfectly timed up, lobbed to the end zone. And, I mean, it was, it's sad. And Rusty, as a Mississippi State fan, I don't know how you take – how you glean anything out of there. I will say, and I, I talked about Will Rogers, and I feel bad for him. Uh, I talked to a friend at church on Sunday who went, and he is a diehard Mississippi State fan. He was telling me that he's the kind of guy like you are. Like, it don't matter how bad it is. By Thursday, he's going to be convinced that Mississippi State's going to go to Columbia and beat the brakes off South Carolina. I'm just, I'm just going to, he's just going to root for it, you know. And he was telling me that fans, Mississippi State fans, who have watched um, Will Rogers for over two years as a starting quarterback for Mississippi State, were booing him and chanting, "We want Mike." And that I hate it. I'm, I'm not. I hate booing your own team. I never did it as a Grizzlies fan with Chandler Parsons. I always hated it. But if you're in that building, you do not boo your home, your 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 players. Um, I do believe I would put my house on the fact, on the bet that Mike White will start games at Mississippi State at the quarterback position before the end of the year. He fits better. They're respecting Will, but they should have just let him walk. He does not fit this. And it's a shame on Arnett. It's a shame on Barbe because the best offensive coordinators, the best head coaches, especially in transition periods where you're taking over a new team, they you have to tailor your offense. You have to tweak your offense to fit the players that are on your team. And they have thrown him to the wolves and saying, you're running this, and this is all we're going to run, and you're going to have to figure it out. So maybe after this LSU game, maybe after they get embarrassed, they they do say, okay, Will, they look for things that he does well, or they scrap it all together. I don't know. Maybe they just go to Mike White. All right. My turn. Yeah, open you up another one. So, yeah, um, where to even start? You know, Will Rogers is not athletic enough to run a pistol offense with bootlegs and play action pass. That's no slight to him. He's got a, a great arm. He's very smart. He's a very accurate passer, but he doesn't fit in an athletic rollout um, offense. This is not so much on Will Rogers. Like He's only doing what he can with what God's given him, right? He's only got so much talent. He's only got so much athletic ability. He can't help it that his feet are made of concrete and he can't run. That's not it's on him. It's the thing that makes Mike Leach great, honestly, is mm-hmm. that he can – he is a offense for quarterbacks, yeah. and he can and, bring that out. And he brought it out in Will Rogers. And what this feels like is J- Joe Moorhead. This feels very much a Joe Mo like – we're, I'm stubborn. I'm going to do my thing regardless of the team and the talent that I have. Barbe came in and said, yes, we're going to run some pistol. Yes, we're going to run the football, but we're not scrapping the air raid. And we've completely scrapped the air raid. And then you got a guy like Mike Wright, who is a 1,000-yard SEC rusher, a 2,000-yard SEC passer. You know, he's won games with his arms and legs and has looked good in the few packages we've put in. But what's frustrating about it is that – they're still treating him and talking about him, even this week. And, like, I get it. You know, press conference on Monday, you're not going to come out and tell South Carolina that Mike Wright is our quarterback for Saturday because then they can have all week to scheme for him. You drop that nugget right before game time on Saturday. But they're still treating him like a gimmick. Like, Mike Wright is some, 
wildcat package, Taysom Hill, like where he's just going to come in, run the football, be a gimmick, and they're not going to scheme for him. But if I'm not mistaken, I'm looking it up here. So he did throw one pass and, and it was he a ran touchdown the ball one time. Yeah, so it was. A, he threw they, a touchdown. They're not even using him in a Taysom Hill role. I mean, they are. I mean, it's almost like Will Rogers' helmet fell off, so they gave Mike Wright a snap. So, this is on me more than anything. You know, I believe Barbe and what he was saying. I believe that he was going to scheme for Will because of the talent that he had. There wouldn't be this big overhaul, that we were going to free Tulu, and we've all we've done with Tulu. I swear on my life, if we do one more tap reverse slant or bubble screen to Tulu, I'm going to lose my mind. He is a great route runner. He's really quick and shifty. Get that man in open space down the field like don't just give him the ball within three yards of the line of scrimmage get him down the field the worst part is we're not making adjustments like we're doing nothing to get better we're doing nothing different we're not doing a single thing to improve we just like we we got 12 yards on the first play from scrimmage last week and then at halftime we had just about halftime we had seven yards of offense so that means that after the first play we had negative five yards of total offense which is anemic like don't even know where to start I think just as much as Barbe and Arnett at this point are to blame is Will Friend our offensive line coach that offensive line is bad it is so bad to have three returning starters and two guys with college football division one experience well one one Juco transfer who was all world at Mississippi Gulf Coast but like that offensive line is bad. It, that it, that offensive line is just that. It's offensive. Like, we couldn't stop a nosebleed. And, you know, Will has no time when he stays in the pocket because it's collapsing. Arizona was getting pressure, so then LSU had a freaking field day. Um, it just can't be that bad. Like, we have to figure out how to be better on the offensive line. I won't go to the point that, like, we're going to scrap Will completely. But it might be time – to give Mike Wright not just a play or two here and there. Because like you said, he had a rush, he had a touchdown pass. It is time to give him a series. And this is what you do. You tell Will, look, man, you're going to start, but we're going to give Mike Wright the third series, you know, or give him the, the second series and just see how it goes. If it doesn't go well, we're going to go back to you, so stay ready. But then if it goes well, Will has to be mature enough at this point in his career to say, hey, he gives us the best chance to win. And this, I love Will Rogers and appreciate everything he's done. He's been starting since he was a true freshman. He took over for KJ Costello after he couldn't cut it in the air raid. So I have no, no ill will towards Will, Will Rogers. I love him. But at this point, we still have so much to play for. You know, I, I, I own that I got a bit emotional last week and voted with my heart that we were going to beat him. But in my preseason prediction, this was a loss that I, I said this was going to be a loss. And so we're two and one. And I have, man, I've been on Gene's page, I've been on Twitter, and I have seen everything from fire Arnett to let's burn the program down and scrap football completely, like these wild takes. That's what but you're going to get on Gene's page, though. Nobody's measured over listen, there. Listen, that's what you're <laughs> going to get on every message board, not just Gene's page. But, like, this, we still have a lot of football to play for. If we can come out and beat South Carolina, we will be going into the Alabama game 3-1. and one. Like, yeah. I mean, there's still so much to play for. So, at this point, what's it going to hurt to give Mike Wright a shot? Because, like, reality is, yes, Arnett and Barbe said they're not listening to the noise and not listening to the student section, and I'm grateful for it, right? If our head coach is sitting there saying, I'm hearing what the students are saying and the fans are saying, and we're going to make a change, you don't want that. But now is the time that you have to impress the fans, the powers that be, and the athletic director that didn't hire you. You have to, like – 
show that you're a competent enough football coach to make changes. We have to do something different on offense. And you said something about the defense. The defense is not good. Like LSU, yes, they were. We were out athleted, and then we were out coached. Matt Brock is not ready to be a Division One defensive coordinator. If Zach Garnett wants to save this season, he has to take over and at least have more of an involved role. He's trying to be more of the CEO. That's not going to happen. Matt Brock is not ready for big-time SEC ball. Because you can see there were two people you had to really account for. Jaden Daniels, we had nothing for him, and Malik Neighbors. Like, you've got to know that Neighbors is their guy. And he had 190 yards offense in the first quarter. Like, we had no answer for Malik Neighbors, like nothing. Like, he absolutely cooked us. I tweeted out. In the second half, that Adrian Bronner uh, video where he's like, uh, I'm not going to lie, I'm getting cooked. And that's like, I'm like Matt Brock probably because we were absolutely getting cooked. We made no adjustments. Malik Neighbors finished with 13 for 239 and two touchdowns. <laughs> he had 100, I believe it was 140 before halftime. Yeah. Like we had nothing for him. Our secondary is bad. We've get, we got a great front seven. We get a good push up front. Our linebackers are obviously really good. That secondary is tough. And we're going to get tested this weekend at South Carolina. But I'm not ready to scrap the season. We're 2-1, and one, right? I'm not ready to burn the ships down, but there has to. Like, this is the turning point. We have had regression on the offensive side of the ball. Now is the time to make a change. Because if you wait for Southern Miss or you wait for Arkansas in late in October, November, you're going to lose the fan base. If you lose the fan base, you're going to lose support in the building. You have to make changes now in order to save the season. Because, like, the reality is – Outside of me last week, because I got emotional, and I apologize for yelling at you, but I got I got emotional last week and picked LSU and picked us to beat LSU. Outside of me, everybody else had us two and one at this point. Yes, we have looked bad, but like you have to make changes now. Now is the time because if you wait, it's going to be far too late, and the season's going to be scrapped. Reality is, eight and four can still happen. Like that can still be our ceiling if we make changes now, and that starts with giving Mike Wright more of an involved role in the offense. Well, just to further prove your point, you're two and one. Nobody expected you. Nobody expected Mississippi State to be anything other than two and one right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure, you could look at it and say you could be one and two because that Arizona game got real squirrely. It did. But you won. So if you look at the schedule, you go to South Carolina and get a win. You're going to lose against Alabama, and then you got Western Michigan. So when you get to the por- the portion of the SEC schedule that has the most meaningful games and the games that you could win. Because uh, going into it, I mean, everybody knew that Alabama and LSU were probably going to be your hardest SEC games. Right. So you're going to get those out of the way in two of your first three SEC games of yeah. the season. So say you go to South Carolina and win. You're going to beat Western Michigan. And you're going to lose to Alabama. But that has you going to Arkansas at 4-2. and two, mm-hmm. And then you've got Arkansas – and Auburn, both on the road, Kentucky, A&M, and then Southern Miss before ending the season at Ole Miss. There is a path there, and the way that the schedule is structured leads you to believe that if you can figure this out in Mm -hmm. this three-game span between South Carolina, Alabama, and Western Michigan, if you can figure it out and also win, happen to win that game in Columbia, Mm -hmm. then you'll be fine. I mean, you're looking at you're looking at four and two at that point. Like I said, you've got a Southern Miss win at, before the Egg Bowl. Yeah. And then you go win a A game in the SEC somewhere. You go B 
beat Kentucky, that's it. That's six wins. You're yep. going bowling a year less than a year after your head coach dies. And the and the reality is like the SEC is down this year. No, we're not going to beat Alabama. We're not going to beat Alabama. But it could be a very competitive game. And if you're competitive with Alabama, because Alabama is not Alabama bold, now that everybody can pay their players, oh, Nick Saban's having a tough time, but that's for another podcast. But, like, the reality is that game, if that game's competitive, there is not – like, I could make a case that we could win every single SEC game except Alabama, mostly because they're more talented than us. But, like – Every, the rest of the SEC games. That's fair. I mean, you're looking at Arkansas, Auburn, Ole Miss, which is always up in the air. And yeah, and so like we could make a case uh, to win every other SEC game. Like right. we could literally win every SEC game except LSU and Alabama. And then at that point, Zach Arnett gets a statue, right? Like that's a good season. Yeah, uh, I agree with you. I think that uh, it's a he's got a chance to really prove it here, and he's got to put pride away. And it's going into the season. It's the thing that's that made me the most skeptical. Of Mississippi State is, you know, you had a good defense last year mm-hmm. under Leach, who never has a good defense. It's because Arnett and was you calling had the plays. A really good offense under Leach, and you lost Arnett. And I noticed when you were talking about how the defensive struggles, you did not blame Arnett, and you shouldn't because Arnett is not the defensive coordinator anymore. And he cannot focus. If he w- he is not uh, Andy Reid, you know Andy Reid does not even need an offensive coordinator. I don't know that he even hired one after he lost B enemy. He's got Matt you know? Nagy as a as an offensive analyst. Okay, I rest my case. <laughs> exactly. And so uh, <laughs> that is not Arnett. Yeah. Not right now. He is all of his time and energy is is in structure mm-hmm. and trying to stabilize and figure out his routine and how to lead a team. He cannot be in the defensive meeting rooms every single day. And so when you said, you know, that was you're not worried about your defense because you still have Arnett, you don't have Arnett in the right role. Right. And so Arnett's got a got a chance here to right the ship, but to right the ship you've got one of two things. You've got to start calling plays with Will Rogers in mind, or you're gonna to have to get Will Rogers out of the way. Yeah, because it's a long season, and you've got time to figure it out, but you got to figure it out now. And if you're not going to worry about the defense, that's fine, because you have to – the offense is putrid. It's got to be better. Like you said, it looked like a high school offense at times, and we didn't even belong in the same – being on the same field as LSU for most of that game. But, like, this is – Matt, this is Zach Arnett's baby, that defense. That three-three-five defense is what he ran at San Diego State, New Mexico, all the places he's been. Like, that's been the defense that he ran. And so, he needs to wow Barbet. Like, he needs to tell Barbet, figure this out with Mike Wright. I also have to work on this defense because right. it just feels like – like, we're not even scheming appropriately. Like, the fact that we didn't have – a man and then a safety over the top of Malik Neighbors feels elementary to me. Like, even I know that Malik Neighbors has been a cook if you leave him right. one-on-one. And then, like, we – it's so many packages, we had a safety covering him. Like, I was listening to a podcast this week, and, like, I, like Ed Reed is one of the greatest safeties of all time. Right. But you don't put him one-on-one with Randy Moss and these other big-time receivers. He's a safety for a reason. If he was a great cover guy, he would be a corner, right? right. And so we had so many times we had a safety one-on-one with Malik Neighbors. Like, that's automatically a completion, whatever route he's running. 
it's because you're running a lot of zone. Mm-hmm. That's how you end up with that. Is you've got the he was always running deep routes. It seemed like, and so the problem with covering a receiver with a safety is he, they have no leverage. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you're almost you're running side to side more than you're running up and down. And so when that receiver gets a full head of steam, he runs that sluggo, that slant and go that he ran a hundred times. Mm-hmm. The wide receiver, the safety is coming from the wrong angle right. to actually run <laughs> stride for stride with him. So a good ball is going to beat you any way you look at it, yeah. especially with a receiver as good as he is. And, again, you're a safety for a reason. If you were good at one-on-one coverage, you'd be a corner. You wouldn't be a safety. Yeah. <laughs> right. And safeties are – I mean, safeties are great. You know, yeah. they're they're better at uh, – Run defense, tackling, tackling, run defense, all, support, hundred percent. Uh, but they're not meant to cover your your first receiver. And what what bugged me the most, man, was that targeting call. That was first of all, that's tackle football. He went to make but, a tackle that Jaden Daniels then jumped on, jumped. So like as he's going to make the tackle, Daniels changes the angle and lands on Sean Preston, not the other way around. And so. Targeting is when you make forcible contact with the crown of the head or above the head, right? That's targeting. Jay but Daniels jumped and landed on Sean Preston. Like that was there was nothing about that by rule targeting. But the and he's a, he's, a, he's not, not defenseless. Be, it does not have to be the head or neck area, and he doesn't have to be defenseless. They are putting an emphasis on <clears> leading <throat> with the crown of your helmet, and, and he, that's what he did. He didn't. Jaden Daniels jumped and he landed did. on his head as he's going to make the tackle. Daniels does that but stupid he, hurdle and land. Like if you watch the video, it made it he look lands worse on than him. it was. It 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 looked worse than it was because Jaden Daniels for some reason continues <clears throat> to jump. It's so stupid. Uh, yeah. But it made it look worse than it was, but he's still, by the letter of the law, and the, they're doing this not to protect quarterbacks, but to protect defenders from themselves. That's the reason why. So it then, has nothing to do with the effect on Jaden Daniels, but because he led with his face down in the crown of his helmet, that is why. Because he and the only reason he it, led that way. It's inconsequential. Yes, but I mean, the only reason he led that way is because the offensive player initiated contact no, I mean, with the head of no, his shoulder. it's not why because he did he, it. He he could he that's could have ended up, up that way. Anytime. He was going he in to he was going in to make a proper tackle, and then when the guy all of a but, sudden that's here, if you're going to hit face here and he goes over that, you have no choice but to make that contact. Yeah, I mean, I get what you're saying, but his head was down the whole time. Yeah, so, again, again, it's inconsequential. It, it's it's I mean, bad mechanics. It's it's. And worse that they held it up. by 40 points. And we we appealed, so we lose Sean Preston for the first half of the South Carolina game, which he's our starting safety. Like, we absolutely need him. But at the end of the day, like, it should have – like, sure, if you want to call on the field, that's fine. But when you have time to look at it and see that the offensive player initiated the contact with the crown of the head, that that appeal should be granted. He shouldn't be missing the first half of the next game. Yeah, I'm just telling you, they don't care what the offensive player did. They're not looking at that. Which is just, I mean, like, then let's just put the flags on. Let's just play flag football. Like, if, because now, like, okay, cool. Now I found a way, like, I get 15 yards here. Let's just put the flags on, man. Well, what's going to happen is Jaden Daniels is going to break a rib because he continues to jump and get body slammed. And then he'll stop. (laughs) It's just a moronic call, especially because, like, uh, you know, the, the 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 no targeting call in the Colorado State Colorado game that was more targeting than what than what Preston did but we'll uh, we'll get but, into that I'm sure here in a little bit yeah but he didn't lead with his head it was dirty it wasn't targeting it was a defensive play well, defenseless yeah, player it was defenseless by rule as you said yeah. by rule of the law that was targeting yeah 
It's a bunch of ores. You the know, thing is, not, we don't know what targeting is. It's not defenseless is. and no. It's not defenseless and crown of the helmet and the right. It's a bunch of ores. Nobody knows what targeting yes. is. Nobody knows. Yes. <laughs> so uh, we're just. That's why I'm frustrated because like there's no standard. There's like the NFL has figured it out. The NFL knows what targeting is. They usually get it right. College football is light years away yeah. from knowing what targeting is. Well, um, I just want to let's just put a bow on Mississippi. State <laughs> yeah, I'm done here. talking about uh, it. Yeah, so. We think that there's still potential that they could figure it out and have a successful season by probably different standards than what fans thought going in. Um, and ultimately, we found out that I was right this whole time. <laughs> we'll just say <laughs> jury's still out on that, but nope, there I, is I, still I, a path to eight to I seven, just, eight wins. There's I, still a path. We just graded that test on – LSU based on what I was concerned about in the preseason, and I got a hundred until until we have a way. Maybe we'll come out this weekend and we'll cook against South Carolina, and I'll be gloating next week. Maybe so, maybe so. But that will be that will be a change, you know. <laughs> and good coaches adjust, so we'll see. We'll see if he's a good coach. Good I'm gonna be Sam honest. I didn't watch much of uh, Ole Miss Georgia Tech, so you'll have to fill me in. I know Georgia Tech got a lot more yards and a lot more points than they got last year, and it was competitive for a while. Yeah. I do it know was, that. Um, it was. It looked a lot worse than it was uh, as an Ole Miss fan, uh, and maybe it's because I don't put a lot of stock in Georgia Tech. I never felt like it was in question. I never felt like the game was going to be. Uh, I never thought the uh, the game was in question. But if you if you look at Ole Miss has got a trend going here, and so what it is is that it seems like they start the game off slow defensively. Again, just like last week. Last week, Ole Miss was down by 10 going into half. This week, they were up by 7. It was a 10-3 game against Georgia Tech at home in the first half, going into halftime. And so, you're of course, you're frustrated. Uh, but the Georgia Tech team didn't scare me like Tulane did last week. Uh, even a Tulane team without Michael Pratt. But what happened in the second half is is been what is showed to be what has been my proudest. Um, how do I want to say this? Uh, it's been what I've been most proud of of this Ole Miss team this year. Because last year, for reasons that we've talked about before, and I don't like going back through Ole Miss's 2022 season, but they had no they put again put up no uh, defense against any adversity. Anytime adversity hit, they folded every single time, especially late in the year. And so the last two games, Ole Miss down by 10 against Tulane and up 10-3 to at home against Georgia Tech. In the second half, they responded. You won the second, the third quarter 14-7, to uh, including – a quick 14 points that really it puts you up 14 plus four puts you up 18 points. Uh, LSU scored late in the four in the third quarter. Ole Miss went up in the fourth quarter. Uh, scored three touchdowns in the fourth quarter to take it to 41 17. Uh, they've really just found a way to make adjustments in the halftime and come out really strong in the second half. Uh, they outscored Georgia Tech in the second half 
twenty to thirty eight in the second half. So it's it's really a testament to the coaching staff. It's a testament to uh, the job that uh, defensive coordinator is doing. Uh, Golding is doing for Ole Miss. Uh, the offense has looked good. I'd be lying to you if I didn't think that you you would be foolish not to think that Jackson Dart is at least the second best quarterback in the SEC right now, uh, behind Jaden Daniels. That's the only person that I would absolutely concede you saying is better than Jackson Dart right now. He's commanding the offense again. He's showing a ton of grit. We've had problems out of Quinshawn Jenkins. He's not been able to get traction to get his to get the ball rolling this year. He was dealing with a nagging rib injury this week against Georgia Tech up until game time. We weren't even sure if he was going to play. He did play. He gutted out a fine game. I think he had, you know, let's see, 13, uh, 14, uh, 13 rushes for 37 yards and a touchdown. But in the absence of a consistent running game this year, Jackson Dart took that on himself. Jackson had 14 rushes for 136 yards and two touchdowns, averaging 9.7 yards <coughs> per carry, uh, which is a first down every time he crosses the line of scrimmage as a runner. Couple that with, he threw the ball 18 times. He completed 10 of those passes for 250 yards and a touchdown. So, I mean, you're looking at 25 yards per completion for Jackson Dart. He's got one interception on the year, and that was because the receiver fell down against Tulane. Uh, again, it's a win against a Power 5 team. It's a, And so, but so far three games in, all you can really look at is just as a whole is how they're looking because you know still their best tests are to come. Hmm. And there's no reason right now to think that they are not a really good SEC team and an absolute contender for two reasons. One, they look good. I always like a team that's got a good quarterback that's playing really well. And two, the SEC is down. And there's no other way to look at it. LSU, I believe, is the best team in the West. They lost to who I, a team who I believe is the best team in the country in Florida State. So I'm not going to ding them for that. Alabama decided to play two new quarterbacks <laughs> at South Florida this week, and they looked absolutely atrocious. Awful. And they scrapped that to go back to Mill Road to play Ole Miss this week. LSU struggled at uh, at home to South Carolina. Uh, Arkansas lost to, to BYU. BYU at home. Uh, Texas A&M went and lost at Miami, although I do think Texas A&M is fine. Auburn who they knows? Almost lost to Cal on the road and That's struggled hard. with Sanford for a quarter, two and a half quarters. Yeah, I'm just saying that as a whole, the SEC is really down. I think that even compared to other conferences, if you look at them as a whole, the SEC is not the conference as a whole that we've always billed them to be. They are not the most dominant conference in college football. They're yeah. not. They may have the most dominant team, but they are not the most dominant conference. And as an Ole Miss fan and as a Mississippi State fan or whoever fan you are, especially out of the West that's not dealing with Georgia, you're licking your chops right now thinking, you know, maybe I'm good enough this year to capitalize on Alabama being down. Yeah. So I'm, all of our listeners out there, Drew especially, y'all have heard of the game Two Truths and a Lie, right? That's correct. 
I'm about to say two positive things and one negative thing about Ole Miss. So this might be a first. Right. Okay. Progress. Progress. So the first thing is you mentioned Pete Golding earlier, and he's doing a fine job with what he has to work with. Right. You still gave up a ton of yards to Georgia Tech, 474 to be exact, 307 through the air, 7.5 yards per pass attempt, which for, again, this isn't the Georgia Tech of old. Yeah, 7.5 yards per pass attempt is not that's fine. a backbreaker. But, but 474 yards against Georgia Tech, is that's that's tough. They also had no penalties, which I'm impressed with, and Ole Miss had five. But Pete Golding is doing a fine job with the talent he has to work with. He has some some secondary issues to clean up before you get deep into SEC ball. All right, that's the negative. I'm fixing the – here we go. I'm going to say two positive things. I can do this. Number one, Lane Kiffin is showing that he's playing chess, not checkers in that quarterback room because Alabama would kill to have either Walker Howard or Spencer Sanders. Either one of them could start tomorrow. A lot of people thought Jackson Dart would be the t- – I, I thought Jackson Dart would be the – the odd man out. The one to leave, yeah. And yeah. so, like, kudos to Jackson Dar for keeping that job. Like, Lane Kiff is playing chestnut checkers. He's got the deepest quarterback room in the SEC because, like, we don't know what LSU right. has outside of Jane Daniels, and we don't need to know. But, like, these dudes could have – like, Walker Howard could be playing anywhere in the SEC. Spencer Sanders could be playing anywhere in the SEC. Right. And Lane Kiffin locked them up and kept them in Oxford and keeping them in the quarterback room so he can't lose to them, which is brilliant. Yeah, and I, I hope if that's the reason why he did it, he does deserve a lot of credit. That's what I'm saying. I don't think that's why he did it, but but chestnut checkers, man. Yeah, if that's yeah. if that's it, it's big yeah. brain time. And this next one's a little bit tougher, but Ole Miss might be the second best team in the SEC right now. Again, you're only basing on what you've seen so far. So far, Georgia has not impressed me. LSU has. LSU would be the number one team. Ole Miss, a not-so-distant second, and then Georgia third, if you ask me on my SEC power rankings right now. Oh, you're putting LSU one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I figured you would. I mean, I'd still put the two-time defending champions number one. <laughs> you know, uh, They just because, haven't impressed me. Like I'm talking about what I've seen in 2023. Sure, if we're going right. with, with street cred, yes, Georgia yeah, one, LSU right. two, Ole Miss third. But I'm looking at well, 2023 so far. Georgia should have lost to South Carolina. Georgia was not impressive in their other two games against nobodies. Uh, yeah, they were. They, they were, could have. They've they been playing could have lost. They, they could, could have lost. Uh, it, still to this day, we're three weeks in. Ole Miss has got the best win in the SEC. For sure. Of an SEC team. For sure. You know, a road win at Tulane. For sure. Say what you want. A top 25. No, no, it's a top 25 team. on paper, it's the best win in the SEC. Yeah. Now, you've got a chance to go put everybody on notice. We're fixing to find out. That's what excites me. You know, in 2014, (laughs) when Ole Miss, uh, when when Alabama came to Oxford, there was an energy there. You felt like this could be the year. Mm-hmm. Your defense was incredible. Um, you felt you could play that nobody believes in us thing. Uh, unfortunately, Alabama is the team this week that I feel like can play the nobody believes in us part. <laughs> Absolutely. And rightfully so. And the last thing Nick honest. Saban needs is more motivation, right? Yeah. Um, so it's weird. I was curious to see what the line was going to be. Do you have the current line? The line as of, because that's when you were on a, on a monologue earlier, I was catching up with yeah. the lines because yeah. I forgot to do that earlier. The line as of 30 minutes ago is Alabama by seven. Okay. So, this tells me what I'll – this 
tells me what I was hoping would tell me because I was scared to death. Sunday, the first line that came out was 11 and a half. It was double digits. Yeah. Alabama, 11 and a half point home favor against Ole Miss. To me, I always get nervous when I feel like Las Vegas is baiting me to bet my team. <laughs> because Las Vegas is not built on winners here. Nope. They're, they build those casinos based casinos based on losers. <laughs> that was casinos and winners were casinos. Casino, that's uh, north, that's, yeah, that's Tippa County right Marble there. Yeah. Uh, and so, I hadn't done it yet, it, knock on wood. That's yeah, on you. Yeah. Oh, it's coming. Uh, and so when it came out at 11 and a half, I was like, okay, based on resumes here, and I know it's at Tuscaloosa, it feels like Vegas is begging everybody to take Ole Miss, which I don't want to be on that end. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be on the end that's got 75% of the money right. on it. You know, you never want to have uh, the most expensive house on the block. <laughs> right. And so I was like, you know, as long as the line starts going down drastically, like they're, they're willing to move the line down. Four points, man. That's a significant move yeah. mm-hmm. in three days. Mm-hmm. And so – for them to it, – it alleviates a lot of my concern based on Vegas uh, when they started shuffling the line down in order to get some – they wanted some more Alabama mm-hmm. money. But yeah. if that was – if Vegas was convinced that this was an Alabama win and there was an Alabama big win, they would have taken all the money on Ole Miss and they would have not moved that line one bit. They would have no. kept baiting all week long baiting people to take Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. And that line started to come down, so I feel a little bit better now. It could end uh, up getting under a touchdown, too. I would not be surprised if I kick off this thing six and a half. Yeah, if it's six and a half, that's when you're going to start really feeling some Alabama money come in mm-hmm. because then you've got, you know, seven is a key number mm-hmm. on that. And mm-hmm. You get it to six and a half, then it's going to trigger a lot of Alabama bets. A six and a half is almost a wash in Vegas' eyes, right? Like it's almost because like two like that two and a half, it's a field goal game, less than a touchdown, it almost feels like a toss up. Yeah. It feels like they're gonna leave it at seven before they drop it to six and a half because they'd Maybe. rather push. Maybe. Uh, but you know, it's it's strange. You asked me how I feel I feel confident if I was gonna put percentages on it, I feel like you're going in there fifty fifty. Mm-hmm. Um Maybe Which even fifty-five. Maybe fifty-five, forty-five. No. With how Ole Miss has been playing. No, uh, I'm going to say if I'm leaning one way, I'm leaning forty-five, the other way, mm. forty-five, fifty-five, because I just don't walk into Tuscaloosa with confidence. Yeah. It feels like I shouldn't. You know, I know Ole Miss looks good. I know Ole Miss has got questions defensively in particular, but they've bent a lot and not broken. And the good teams that Ole Miss has had in the past, uh, their defenses, you know, 2014, they were lights out, number one defense in the country. Since then, their decent defenses, the games they've won against good teams, they've bent and not broken. And that's what they've done. You know, you did say they did put up 474 total yards of offense, but they only gave up 23 points. Yeah. So – and uh, and I believe that's going to be like three field goals. The last the last point I'll make before we I, I put a bow on it. What better game before LSU though than Alabama? Because where'd your defensive coordinator come from? Yeah, who's going to know He's Nick Saban's Alabama. tendencies? Who's going to know what they like to do and how they like to 
scheme and game plan. It's Pete Golding. He's been there for the last four years. And so the opportunity is there. It's prime for the upset. We'll get into our picks here in just a little bit. But, like, it feels if there's ever a year Alabama's down, you've got their previous defensive coordinator, he's going to know a lot of state yeah. Saban's tendencies and be able to help Lane Kiffin, who also has a huge history with Nick Saban. But can Lane Kiffin get that monkey off his back and finally beat Nick Saban? Yeah, it's tricky. The other thing is I was kind of hoping that they were going to stick with one of Ty Simpson or the Buckner kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, turns out Milrow was just in a doghouse. Yeah. and Rightfully so from what my, they've said. My, my fear is that they've gotten him straight and motivated, and he is going to be looking to make a point. And, and if yeah. he's looking to make a point, he's making it on the ground, mm-hmm. and that doesn't bode well for yeah. any team. No, it doesn't because that kid is an athlete. For what he lacks as a passer, he is just an athlete. Uh, but, yeah, so that's our, our observation state in Ole Miss. The only other couple ones I had we'll get into here in a minute. Uh, I said one of them, the NIL has really leveled the playing field. It's nice to see so much parity in college football where the SEC is down. It's not what it used to be. And I think that's just because the talent is spread across the country because yeah. it's even the playing field. Nick Saban, Kirby Smart, and Dabo aren't the only ones paying their players anymore. Everybody else is, and so we're catching up. And, like, I think it's great for college football. This is where you're not going to have that run of the same – Alabama Clemson. Alabama Clemson winning national championships like we used to. Yeah, I think that, and it's something I said on this podcast, that NIL works both ways. Sure, you're going to get guys like, um, what's his name at Notre Dame? Wake Forest Sam Hartman. 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 Sure, Notre Dame is going to go get a stud quarterback from wherever they want. You know, Who should like Wake Forest as quarterback. And dude is like, a, he's if he misses his calling as a quarterback, he's got a model, like, future man just like rugged looking dude with that hair and beard i'm jealous of the, the hair and beard that he's working with you want to keep talking about another man's looks i'm just saying man like, i'm comfortable i'm comfortable saying it man <laughs> <laughs> all right so but it works the other way because you look at teams that are upsetting team uh, that are upsetting folks or right. or hanging uh you know group of five teams or even lower teams that are hanging with these power five teams and it's because they also have really good, highly recruited players that just couldn't, didn't want to wait their turn. Mm -hmm. And that's their right. But it's the problem with Alabama right now and the, you know, if there's a problem with Georgia, there's a problem with anyone else that's at the top, it's, they don't have the same depth. Mm -hmm. You look back three years ago, four years ago at Alabama, and they had Jalen Hurts, Tua Tagovailoa, and Mac Jones (laughs) in the same quarterback room. And that was before NIL, before the transfer portal. And you will never have that anymore. No, no. You look at guys, you look at Alabama's room here. They they took a shot on the Buckner kid to transfer, you know, Tommy Reese. He followed Tommy Reese, yeah. Yeah, he he brought, he came over with Tommy Tommy Reese. Um, But if it don't work out, you've lost everybody else, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, man. Uh, everybody else is transferred. Absolutely right. You know, these guys, like you said, there's some smaller schools that have deep pockets. They can afford to pay these kids to come play and come play right now. These guys get immediate minutes, and so you're going to get these teams like Memphis. Memphis has a real shot against Missouri this weekend. They've got some deep pockets from Fred Smith that they can afford to pay some of these players, and I'm excited for it. It's only going to get better. There's only going to be – more wins for these teams. There's only going to be more parity in college football, and I'm excited for it. You know, Nick Saban and Dabo Sweeney have both been having little pity parties and pitching fits about it, and it's because they've lost their advantage, right? Back when, like you said, like when Nick Saban could pay his players 
more than everybody else and get away with it. He kept Jalen and Tua and Mac Jones. And it goes back to that Texas game. We saw it really in that Texas game. In the, at the end of that third quarter, when Alabama scored to go up, that's usually the point that we talked about on this show where Alabama just takes control. They lean on you for the rest of the fourth quarter, and before you know it, you're down two and a half, three scores, and there's nothing you can do about it because of Alabama's depth. Texas has just as many good athletes and responded, and Alabama couldn't recover because they don't have the depth they used to. So normally where Alabama would lean on you for that fourth quarter and beat Texas, they couldn't do it because they don't have that depth like you said. Georgia doesn't have that depth like they used to because these kids are going to deep pocket schools, Memphis, SMU, Cincinnati, these other schools that can pay these players and get some immediate playing time. And so I'm here for it. It's good for college football. I'm a fan of chaos because I root for, for an, I root for an underdog, so I'm a fan of chaos. And so you get these great teams like like Colorado is a prime example, man. Like the NIL and transfer portal, Colorado was trash before that. Now you get prime, you get all this money and this injection of talent, and you've got a top 25 football team that won one game last year. I saw a sign that we talked about this at the TCU game that prime had more toes amputated last year than Colorado had wins. <laughs> It's because of the NIL yeah. and the transfer portal. <laughs> yeah. I, it's good for the kids. I think it's bad for college football. There will be a time that there is, like right now it's the Wild West, and there is no salary cap. There will be a time where it gets regulated. Right now these kids are getting their money. They're getting their bags. Shador Sanders has a, a Rolls Royce and that gargantuan watch that he keeps flexing. Yeah. And did you see uh, Prime and, and Tom Brady on the podcast this week? No, I didn't. So they were Prime was doing a podcast with Tom Brady. I, I don't know the name of the show, so forgive me if y'all are listening to this podcast, and I'm sure you are. But uh, Prime asked him, he said, "What do you think about a college kid rolling around in a Rolls Royce like that?" Talk about his son Shadur, right? And Tom said, "Tom Brady said he needs to sell that car, get his butt in the film room. He does not need to be riding <laughs> around in a Rolls Royce." Right. But there will be a day that there is a salary cap. Something it's coming. Yeah. It can't stay the, the Wild West forever. It, yes, that's it. Yeah. You sign this contract. It's a four-year deal if you want this money, or a three-year right. deal, or whatever. Because you get these kids like, and that's the other thing. Did you see that tight end in Miami that's applying for his ninth year of eligibility? Yeah. Like, yeah. he's making more money in college because he knows he's not a pro prospect, so he's making his money while he can now, which I'm a fan of. But yeah. they will regulate it at some point. Yeah, I'm with you. All right, Drew, we do this every week. We do our four college football playoff picks. I normally let you go first. I'm going to steal the thunder this week and go first. My top four college football playoff picks at the end of week three. Again, my uh, fourth pick is the team that I think that impressed me the most this past week. I don't think they'll be there at the end. And my pick at number four is the Missouri Tigers. We got the only thing better than a big guy scoring a touchdown is a big kicker kicking a game-winning field goal that was the longest in SEC history at 61. It was the longest game-winning field goal in NCAA history. And or it's tied for the fourth longest, excuse me, game winner in NCAA history. The longest field goal of any in SEC history. Right. Shout out the Missouri Tigers. Great win for Eli Drinkwitz against a good Kansas State team that won the Big 12 last year, a top 15 team this year. Don't look down, Missouri's 2-0. And that's about as good as they're going to be. But, right, this week, at the end of week three, they are my fourth team in the college football playoff. Uh, number three is LSU. They dominated a bad Mississippi State team, but they looked the part, man. They have bounced back from that Florida State uh, drubbing. Harold Perkins was much more in his element this weekend, rushing the quarterback, creating chaos in short term. They didn't have him out covering as much. They did a little bit. 
But the first two weeks, Harold Perkins was covering too many receivers and tight ends out in space. That man is an agent of chaos in the line of scrimmage and where he should be. He had a great game. Obviously, you talked about Malik Neighbors, 230 yards receiving and two tutties against Mississippi State. LSU is third. Number two for me is the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. They continue to look good. They continue to beat up on people. But we're going to learn this week. When Ohio State comes to town, we'll know a whole lot more about Notre Dame after this week when they play Ohio State. But I think right now they're the second best team in the nation. And then number one still for me, as bad as their uniforms look, they just look like cheap, like a cheap knockoff version of Florida State with the white pants and the white helmet. To me, it looked like like a like an Auckland County Youth Football League knockoff of Florida State. But the talent was there. They struggled a little bit, but they pulled out a win. And for me, Florida State's still number one. Yeah. Um, so this is a little weird uh, because it, I've kind of fluctuated a little bit. Um, number four uh, is going to be LSU. Uh, one lost team in my top four based on I, – I, I dinged them a little bit for losing to Florida State, but I do still have Florida State in my top four, spoiler alert. And so I can't ding them anymore. They got a road SEC win in absolute dominating fashion. Um, so LSU, number four. They're number four because they've got a loss. Um, number three, I'm going to go with um, Texas. I think they've still got the best win in football right now with a road win against Alabama. Um, this is This week is moving day, you know, to use a golf term. Uh, it's this week coming up is where you're going to separate yourself. You're either going to go up the leaderboard or you're going to fall pretty pretty quick. And so, But based on what I've seen so far, LSU four, Texas three, my boys at Ole Miss at number two. They still got the best SEC win. I, I dropped them down for struggling for a little bit against Tulane on the road. <laughs> I dropped them out, but they were number five. I don't know if I told you this, guys, last <laughs> night or the last week or not, but they were number five. Uh, they've made a big jump up three spots to number two this week. Uh, the hype train's going. Uh, we're going to Tuscaloosa with nothing to lose. Uh, I don't like the fact that we've got expectations. <laughs> I wish we we truly were going in as the, the prohibited underdog. Um, and um, number four. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, the Washington Huskies. Uh, had a big win again. They Wait, just, hang on. They, Hold on. So, I thought LSU was number four. I'm sorry, my fourth team. Mm-hmm. No, I'm not making Washington number four. You said, because you were going, you said yeah, LSU yeah. was four no, as a one uh, loss. Texas yeah. three, Ole Miss two. And not in – Florida State won. I got mixed up. Attaboy. I put five teams here, and I was going down the list, but <laughs> I wrote them like one to four, uh-huh. and then but I was reading them, you know, backwards, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so I just creeped into the bottom of the list here. Uh, no, Florida State's number one. It does yeah. concern me. I hope Jordan Travis comes back healthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hope he, like it's not something that's going to linger. I think he'll be back, but uh, yeah, Florida State. So I've got LSU, Texas, Ole Miss, 
and Florida State, number one. Washington is your honorable mention, correct? Washington is my honorable mention because Michael Penix has been incredible this year. Yeah. He's got an absolute cannon. You don't see a lefty throw the ball as far as he does sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. Very often. Absolutely. And, again, earlier, uh, as already previously mentioned, my honorable mention was South Alabama just because they went to Stillwater, beat the brakes off of a consistently good – uh, Oklahoma State team. So shout out to the Jaguars for being my honorable mention. I get these posted on Instagram. Let us know what we're right, wrong, how you disagree, all that sort of stuff. Um, Drew, it is now time for our college football picks before we do a little bit of fantasy. So uh, if you stuck with us this long, make sure that you vote against or for our picks this weekend on Instagram. So I've got seven games. We'll go through these kind of quick, and then we'll finish up with fantasy football. All right. The first one is the one everybody's going to want to be watching at 3.30 outside of Ole Miss. 2.30. Yeah, well, 2.30, 3.30 Eastern time. <laughs> Colorado Buffaloes at oh. Oregon. Uh, what's the line? Oregon is – and I looked at this three different times to make sure this was right. Oregon is a 21-point favorite. 21 home – a 21-point home favorite. All right, where's the game at? It is at Eugene. Okay. Do you want to go first? Or you want me to? <sighs> this one's tough because 21 is a huge line. And Colorado's defense is bad. Mm-hmm. But I don't think Oregon beats them by three touchdowns. Okay. I'm going Colorado. Um, I don't think Oregon wins by three touchdowns. Do it for puddles. He laid it on the line and did 500 push-ups in week one when he <laughs> scored 81 puddles. points. <laughs> Do it for puddles. I'm taking the minus 21. It, it's Colorado State is not a good team. No, I no. Know, Colorado. Uh, I know. That's okay. my point. Colorado oh, sorry, State sorry, sorry. that they went to two overtimes with. Colorado went to two overtimes with. Uh, Colorado State's not a good team, even by Colorado standards. You know, Colorado State opened the year with a loss to – Washington State, it was their second game of the year. They talked a lot of smoke. Dion has done a really good job of making things personal this year, and he's done a really good job of rallying. But rallying only gets you in the door and maybe works for a quarter. You know, emotion and hype only lasts for a quarter. And then you've got to execute. They're down Travis Hunter, which is – Huge. Arguably one of the most important players in college football to a team, uh, especially if, if you're talking about quarters uh, players that do not play quarterback. Uh, Travis Hunter's probably it. So I'm taking Oregon. I'm taking Oregon big. I think, you know, Dan Lanning, do you remember what Dan Lanning said at Pac-12 Media Days when they asked about Coach Prime and what he's doing and transfers? And Dan Lanning, who was in his second year at Oregon, came out and said – for the life of me, I can't remember the last time Colorado was relevant. Oh, yeah, I do remember that. That's uh, personal. It's yeah. personal. And he's going to make it personal. But the difference is Oregon's actually good. Oregon's loaded. Um, yeah. But 21, man, that's a huge line. Because, like, that's got, it's, like, 42 to 21. Like, that, I mean, it's, it's got to be massive. It's a huge line if you are believing in Dion. Like, Oregon versus Colorado, 21 points is nothing. I mean, you're still banking on what you've done so far, looking yeah. at what you've done so far. And Colorado has beaten a TCU team that we both believe was overranked. Yep. Uh, they have beaten 
Nebraska. Nebraska, which is Not the good. worst display of quarterbackmanship <laughs> I've ever seen in my life. And then barely beat a Colorado State yeah. team, to your point, and while then, you sneeze. <laughs> yeah. And so I believe that you're getting to the disparity in talent to where hype doesn't matter. Yeah. And I so think I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna fade Colorado this week. I'm mm. gonna I'm gonna go Oregon. I know the chat will the Instagram poll will not be in my favor, and maybe you guys should just listen to the podcast first because I've been right. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I think yeah, I, this one's gonna be an interesting one. Um, I think this one's liable to be 55 to 50. Uh, it's gonna be a bunch of points because neither team they're both in the Pac-12. Neither team plays defense, so this one's liable to be a lot of fireworks. Next up, the uh, team that we feel is the best team in the country, the Florida State Seminoles, are on the road at Dabo Sweeney's Clemson Tigers. And so the line right now, as it stands on DraftKings, is a two-and-a-half-point road favorite Florida State. Two-and-a-half points at the other Death Valley. Do we know what Jordan Travis's status is? I'm going to look that up right now while you talk, but I, I don't know if they've released a full report. So the injury update, the last one two days ago was, uh, sounded like Seminoles dodged a bullet. Mike Norvell said he was sore after the game, but I'm not worried about his health and we will be, and his health will be here moving forward. I was proud of him for coming back. He was uncomfortably uncomfortable physically going into the second half, but he came out, made some really good throws. We had some good runs that were late, and he should be good to go. Yeah, so that kind of sways my decision. I think that I'm going to take Florida State minus two and a half. I think Clemson is better than what they were in week one this year against Duke where they got humiliated. Cade Klubnik is still highly recruited. They've still got – highly ranked players they are playing at home uh but at two and a half that margin just seems like again it seems like vegas is begging you to take florida state right there mm-hmm. and so maybe i'm gonna feel silly but i am going to fall victim here and take florida state minus two and a half same Dabo's have florida state's number as of late but this ain't your mama's florida state <clears throat> i think they're at least a three-point better team I, I think they win by a touchdown give me florida state as well Next up, we talk about squirrely rivalries. We got a rivalry game early this year. We got Arkansas playing at LSU, where LSU is a 17-and-a-half-point home favorite. Question is, who is Arkansas? Um, that's a good question. Uh, I've, talk, I've got some friends that are Arkansas fans, and they are very upset with the play calling. And to me – it seems pretty obviously why you hired Dan Enos to replace Kendall Browse. Uh, there's nothing creative about this offense. It is we're going to throw the ball twice and then run the ball with KJ Jefferson on third and long. Uh, there's no creativity. There's there's nothing there at all to be proud of if you're an Arkansas fan. Uh, yeah. This game, the boot is weird. A lot, most robberies, especially in the SEC, the battle of the boots weird. It's always tight. Uh, I'm just not going to be made a fool by betting on Arkansas when I've been saying all year that I think LSU is the better team. I don't know that they're 17-point favorites, 
but I'm not. I will lose sleep if I bet on Arkansas and LSU beats them 41 to 14 like they beat Mississippi State. Yeah, 100%. I had LSU in this game just because I don't know what Arkansas is. KJ Jefferson, when he's on, is a top three quarterback in the SEC when he's not sending out Snapchats to co-eds. But, um, I mean, you got your own quarterback to talk about. You're not wrong. Too, so. You're not wrong. <laughs> um, like, who do you, t- who you take in that? You take Carson Beck, you take KJ or Will. <laughs> but yeah. anyway, um, this is a family podcast, sir. We keep this above yeah, approach. Man. I'm going LSU. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, we have a massive battle in South Bend, and I am fired up about this yeah. football game. We've got Ohio State as a three-point road favorite at Notre Dame. I feel like that is a bit of history. I'll take this one first. I think that Ohio State is what they are. They're a phenomenal football team. Marvin Harrison Jr. is a top three pick next year. Don't know what they really have at quarterback. They run the ball okay. Question marks on defense. I think Ohio State is a very, very good football team. But give me the Irish. Sam Hartman is an incredible quarterback. He's got a massive arm. He'll be playing on Sundays. Everybody's talking about Caleb Williams as the next great college quarterback coming out into the pros. I think it could be Sam Hartman. This game being at South Bend feels like a perfect opportunity for Notre Dame to make that statement that they're back. Give me the Irish to win outright. Yeah, I mean, I agree with everything you said. I think Sam Hartman's great. Um, the The sticking point I always have is that it's Notre Dame. Right, and they fall flat in yeah, big games. They do. Um, I always like to go with the team that's got the better quarterback. Notre Dame always has the – or does have the better quarterback. Um, however, you've got two relatively new coaches – or no, I'm sorry. You've got Marcus Freeman, who's in his second year, who could not have gotten off to a worse start last year. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> and Ryan Day, who seems like Ohio State fans are ready to fire every single year. Um, <laughs> That's true. So it's kind of up in the air. Uh, we have agreed on the last – on two of the three. So I'm going to kind of go with the most common sense pick here. I'm going to go with the favorite. Uh, I'm going to go with the brand that I know doesn't shrink in mm-hmm. big games. Uh, so – Give me the Ohio State Buckeyes. I think it would be a great game. Over and under is 55 and a half. I think I would take the over on that. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I think I'd take the over too. 55 and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Should be a good game. Next up, uh, a battle of the unknowns in the SEC. We've got Auburn that we don't really know what they are just yet. At A&M, who is trying to find a way to buy out Jimbo at any point right now. A&M is a seven and a half point home favorite. Hmm. It's a big line. Yeah. Um, so I could go two ways on this. A&M, I feel like offensively has looked really good this year. Uh, I believe that Petrino is, is getting to touch this offense a lot. Um, it just it just kind of looks different. Um, and real quick, one other tidbit to this. Also, it's an 11 a.m. kick. Yeah, that doesn't really do anything okay. for me. Um Listen, when when Hugh Freeze was at Ole Miss, he was a covering machine. Everybody wanted to bet on Hugh Freeze. So, for that reason, give me Auburn and seven and a half points and just see if Hugh Freeze can, can figure it out. I thought we were going to disagree on another one. But, uh, yeah, I, I think uh, you said Auburn, right? Yeah. Okay, I yeah, so Auburn. I thought, yeah. I, this feels like the game that Hugh Freeze kind of puts it together. They've been, they've been awful, 
on offense, and then they, all of a sudden it would be very much Hugh Freeze for them to go for 400 yards and four touchdowns and beat A&M handily. So seven and a half feels like a big spread for an A&M offense that's still figuring out an identity. So give me Auburn as well. All right, got two games left. We've got your Ole Miss Rebels at Alabama, where Alabama's that seven-point home favorite. Um, all right, so I'm an Ole Miss fan, obviously. I'm rooting for Ole Miss. I think I just told you earlier in this episode that I think Ole Miss has anywhere between a 45 and 50% chance to win this game. That's my confidence level. If I think it's a toss-up, I'm going to take seven. I'm going to take Ole Miss minus seven. But to only solidify things further is Lane Kiffin is a covering machine. Yeah, Uh, He has sent people home happy or crying every single week because he scores a touchdown with less than a minute to go to to cover the game every single week that they've played, or the last two weeks. They covered, you know, they scored 73 points in <laughs> game one. So it was never <laughs> in doubt. But the last two games against uh, Tulane and against Georgia Tech, a last-minute touchdown to hit the number has happened both weeks. And so Lane Kiffin knows how to cover. So give me Ole Miss. And the seven points, but I don't need them. Straight up, oh, money line the let's Rebs. Let's go. All right. All right. So. I'm, I'm still going to take a win if they cover. But. <laughs> well, no, I, no. you wouldn't have gave me that, so I'm not giving that to yeah. you either. So, you're absolutely right. Lane Kiffin is a covering machine. When Alabama and Ole Miss have played, he has covered most years. Now, you may have given up 63, and you may have given up 42 to get there, but he has kept it close. I don't think Ole Miss is going to walk into Tuscaloosa and win. It just feels like a Nick Saban game where they're going to figure it out and they're going to eke out a win late. But I think it's going to be by seven feels like a big line for this game with as bad as Alabama has been, but I just feel like Nick Saban's got the hoodoo. I'm going to take Ole Miss, but I'm not going to take him to win. I don't think Alabama wins by seven. Give me Ole Miss. Yeah. Ugh, that's I, weird. Uh, yeah. And then it's probably a mistake. Yeah, probably Anytime so. I'll, I'll regret that. Going into, yeah, I'll regret that, but yeah. uh, I'm going to take Ole Miss. And I'm sticking with it. That's my final answer. Last game, Mississippi State plays at South Carolina. South Carolina is a six-and-a-half-point home favorite. Look, Mississippi State has looked awful. We have looked bad, bad. But good coaches figured it out. They figure out how to make adjustments. They figure out ways to win and to right the ship. Is Zach Garnett a good coach? I don't know. TBD. Who knows? Is he Joe Moorhead where he's just going to get stubborn and bury his head in the sand and do the same crap over and over again? Who knows? Waste a great talent like Garrett Schrader, who is absolutely killing it for Syracuse. Did you see that fake he had against Purdue? Are you asking me if I saw Purdue-Syracuse highlight? It was just that. It was one highlight. It was all over Twitter. He did this incredible fake where he did a fake handoff, and he stood there watching, and while the whole play shifted right, he then busted out a 50-yard touchdown run. It was the wildest no, fake I've ever it. seen. Anyway, I digress. Sidetrack. Six and a half points. It feels like a lot in this game. South Carolina's offensive line is terrible. And the one place we have looked good is the defensive line. People haven't ran the ball real well on us. we got two great inside linebackers that are leading the country in tackles, both of them with 31. You broke my heart last week, Mississippi State. You crushed me. I went out on a limb, and I was fired up and emotional that we were going to win that friggin' football game. 
I don't know the state's going to win this weekend. I don't know, but six and a half feels like a lot. Give me the Mississippi State Bulldogs. Yeah, you're holding your nose. Give <laughs> me the Mississippi State Bulldogs. Come on, don't let me down two uh, weeks in a row. Let the record show that <sighs> Rusty picked Ole Miss to cover at Tuscaloosa and barely picked Mississippi State to cover on the road. To I South am Carolina. becoming objective. You talk about me not being objective. Yeah. I am becoming I, objective. That's, that's that's my goal. I just want you to be objective. I want the people to have a voice that they can turn to to hear truths f- about their I team. feel like I've done really well in this episode. You have been forced <laughs> to be objective. Listen, objective. give me props, man. I'm getting there, yeah, all right? I give you props. Baby steps. But it's, it's like, you know, uh, it's like, you know, Ivan Drago talked a lot of game, <laughs> but then when, when Rocky finally knocked him out, he had to dap him up and say, you're pretty good, you know? Mm. That's where you're at right now. Oh. You've, you've, you've got humbled – you have gotten punched all the way to the mat. He, you got cut. You've got knocked out in the final round, um, because obviously Mississippi State is communist Russia. And, uh, <laughs> oh God, <laughs> talking about me being objective. Come yeah. on. And uh, and so now you have no choice but to stand up and and try to attempt to be the bigger man. And that props to you. You could say you know Rocky cheated, you know, but you're not. So I, I do give you props. I love how you're rocking this analogy when can't even you have to sit on a phone book to see you on the steering wheel. But anyway, moving right along. Uh, wow. Are you going with short jokes? <laughs> I, mean, I gotta take what on, I can man. get here, man. Yeah. I'm against the ropes. Come on. Give me the Mississippi State fruit. Bulldogs. <laughs> yeah. All right. What's um, your take? Yeah, I don't really love either team. I was I was definitely higher on Mississippi State going into <laughs> this season than I was South Carolina. However, the uh, continuity aspect that I was preaching in the off season is, it seems like South Carolina has it more than Mississippi State. Uh, uh, Rattlers quietly having a fine year, second year of the system. Um, shoot, winning by a touchdown at home. The reason why I'm going to pick South Carolina is this, and I've talked about it on this podcast before is when you have a team that's struggling like Mississippi State and you are a team that is struggling like South Carolina, you look at your schedule and you circle the games that you think you can win, and that's when the environment will be overwhelming. The environment will not be overwhelming when you've got teams of the caliber of Alabama coming to your place or Georgia coming to your place. That's a loss. Everybody knows it's a loss. But in a season to which you think at best, as a South Carolina fan, from a South Carolina perspective – at best, you're going to go four and four in the East, or three and set. Or uh, I'm sorry, yeah, eight, th- four and four, mm-hmm. three and seven in the East, or I mean, or worse. You're looking at games like Mississippi State coming to your place, to where you home field advantage can sway it, and so that's the reason why I'm going to go South Carolina, is I think that those fans and that team have circled it as a te- as an SEC game that they can win in a season full of SEC games that they will probably be not favored in. And I've been to games at Williams-Brice. It is a rowdy atmosphere. It will when be they believe, rowdy. When they believe, mm-hmm. it's a very hard place. <laughs> it's a great college football venue and environment, one everybody should experience at some point because it gets rowdy. And I was there two years ago when they beat Florida to get Dan Mullen fired. And when uh, – uh, Anthony Richardson fumbled there on like the 25-yard line, and they did a scoop and score. That place was electric, electric. So, give me them dogs anyway. All right, Drew, fantasy football update. You can't win them all, 
You can't defend your trophy if you don't win the first two. It was ugly this week uh, in a it, pillow fight, but your boy's 2-0. and I tell you what, Rusty, uh, there's nothing to complain about being 2-0, and except for, you know, this podcast is 4-0 and in fantasy. <laughs> I don't know what the uh, other the knuckleheads is, are doing in our league. Yeah, yeah, you won a pillow fight 115 to 102. Yep. And I won an absolute shootout. <laughs> I absolutely dominated. I've I have heard the tears of Patrick Jones all week long complaining how he is so mad that he put up 157 points in a 12 team PPR league that is so deep full of good teams and good general managers. It's hard to to make any moves in this league and put together a roster that can put up a lot of points. And he put up 157 points. He is the second highest scoring team in week two in the League of Avengers. His problem is he played me. (laughs) And your boy put up 179 fantasy points. Freaking wild. I mean, he scored 100. And 57 points, and still lost by 22 points to me. Five players plus 24. Five five players plus 24 points. You did. Uh, yes, I was absolutely incredible. I I will take 100 percent of the credit. Uh, Pat does deserve <laughs> a little credit, but you it doesn't matter if you have your best week and you still lose. It's it's a very poor week. We do not give consolation prizes in the league of avengers what we do give i want to give you is one al gore awards mm, that's and fair. he does get an award for the most points scored in a <laughs> loss yep our boy patrick jones wins the award uh because he was the greatest loser of the week shout out to patrick jones real quick though he had them quick thumbs because he had cooper cup who's on the ir right now with that hamstring injury and he's the one in our league that swooped up and got puka for the uh the brilliant pick who's averaging 26 points across his first two nfl games and got him 30 points in quick thumbs able to scoop him up May not it wasn't even quick thumbs. It was it, they were heavy thumbs because he gave up sixty five. I mean that's, uh, that's in this fair. league, we do have a two hundred dollar free agent acquisition budget to where we do not do uh, the worst team gets the first waiver priority. We do not do that. We bid on them like like grown like gentlemen. And he did spend sixty five for Puka Nakua, an undrafted player or BYU. Uh, undrafted fantasy player. Um, this year, picked him up off the waiver wire after week one, and was convinced enough to drop sixty fab on him, which is roughly you know, roughly thirty percent of your budget mm-hmm. uh, on a on that player off one week, and he's been great for him. But he was not good enough because <laughs> his thirty point one points this week was outscored by my Keenan Allen, who had thirty one points, mm-hmm. and so um, biggest blowout of the week. I'm telling you, it was a. Uh, it was a low-scoring week with plenty of tight games. One game was not tight, though, at all. Our boy Neezy got trounced by 46 points against Team Farrell. Uh, Doesn't even have an official name. 4.5 points to 108. Yeah. Uh, somehow, Andrew just got grandfathered in into thinking that he didn't have to name his team anymore. Um, and, and Neezy has gone with the same name two years in a row which so i guess this is just a a bad name game here 
But uh, Andrew demolished him. He'll be our buddy Stevens Award winner, beating by 48 points. Uh, just just bad news here. Bad news for for Neasy. Drops to 0-2 on the season with a 48-point loss. It's, it's, that's bottom of the barrel right there, buddy. Yeah. Shout out to Michael Mudders. Uh, made the ballsy acquisition. We were talking about our fab mm-hmm. going off waivers. I struggled all day yesterday thinking about how much fab I was going to spend on uh, whole boy. What's his name? Jerome Ford. Uh, Jerome Ford. Uh, if you have, to, if you wonder who Jerome Ford is, it's because you don't play fantasy football and you're <laughs> not a Cleveland Browns fan. Nick Chubb, thoughts and prayers, demolished his <laughs> knee again on Monday night, and so everybody's wondering how much money they're going to drop. For Drum Ford, and I lost my running back one. I lost Saquon Barkley uh, for at least a couple weeks, it seems like. So I was going to pony up, and out of our $200 budget that's supposed to last you all year, I ponied up $101. Uh, but our boy Michael Mutters, who is the owner of Nick Chubb, former owner of Nick Chubb because he has now hit the waiver wires, uh, $175 of fab, leaving himself. With twenty five dollars to make it through the rest of the year, yeah, uh, he better hopes this pans out, <laughs> man. And only bad luck here, bad luck for Mutters because the Kareem Hunt is signed a few hours after we wake up, and what could have been the best dollar spent all year, Hunter Shaw had picked up Kareem Hunt for one dollar, one dollar, uh, before see. he'd ever signed. It could have been the best dollar spent all year in the League of Avengers. I, so. I do want to give one quick shout-out to a team in our league who has been putrid, but has found a way to be 2-0. and You know, winners find ways to win. Aaron Ivey has won in two straight weeks without breaking 100. He scored yeah. 99 this week. He scored 70, ugh, 76 in a win last week. He hadn't even broke 100 yet, yet he is 2-0. and <laughs> Yeah, it's – listen – Zach has had bad luck. Mm. Zach, Zach, we talked about last week getting beat on virtually a walk-off kick, a walk-off field goal uh, to lose week one. This week his team did not show up at all. <laughs> but Aaron's team at 2-0 won 99, put up 99 points this year, and his highest score was Terry McLaurin. <laughs> so uh, it's just putrid. That's fantasy football. It's yeah. what is – is so humbling about it and what always makes you come back for more. That's it, man. And <laughs> you really never know what's going to happen. I mean, that's it. And, like, if you look at Zach's roster with Pat Mahomes, Damian Pierce, Tyreek Hill, you'd think he'd be cooking and finding ways to win. But he lost to a lineup that started uh, Jamar Gibbs, Garrett Wilson, Terry McLaurin, and Jackson Smith and the Jigma trying to find a way to get a win. And – it's tough, man. That's that's tough sledding. So, Aaron Ivy, shout out to you for having an awful team, but being two and zero. Yeah, Zach found out a way to lose a fantasy football game in week one, in which Tyreek Hill went for forty four points. <laughs> right, absolutely. So, yeah, that's our Drewskis for the week. That's our show for the week, Drew. Unless you got anything else, man, I feel like we can start we're wrapping her up. No, that's all I've got, buddy. Uh, been a successful week. <clears throat> I'm looking forward to the fact that we don't have to talk about bad football right next week's podcast we're gonna have a lot of college football we're gonna have to really 
work and uh, have a good schedule laid out mm-hmm. so that we're succinct enough not to t- make a three-hour podcast Yeah, absolutely. Uh, next week when we've got all this football to talk about. Yep, it's starting, man. Next week starts a run, week four, week five, week six, heading into week eight. If you haven't looked ahead in your calendars to week eight, October 21st, just know I'm going to do nothing all day. I'm going to be glued to my couch. That's when you got Alabama, Tennessee, you got Duke, Florida State, Utah, USC, Penn State, Ohio State. But regardless – it starts this week with some good college football. So in the meantime, at the Two Buck Sports Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, the Two Buck Sports Podcast on Facebook, we're on whatever platform you're listening to us right now, as well as any other podcast or platform you get your podcast. Like, share, comment, tell us where we're wrong. We love, like we said last week, interacting with our fans. So hop on there, give us a like and comment. Let us know what you think. Otherwise. We'll be back here next week. Drew, appreciate it, buddy. Enjoyed it, sir. We will see you next week. Happy birthday, mama. (laughs) Happy birthday, Miss Vicky. (laughs) 